Uh, well, thank you for having me, everyone. It's uh, good to be here. And uh, I recognize some faces, which is lovely, but uh, I guess I don't know most of you, so it's even more of a privilege uh, to be amongst people that I don't, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, Dave explained to me that um, what we're looking at this morning is the subject of discipleship. Uh, and I guess there is no more important subject than that, is that about how we are meaningfully following Jesus in our lives. And as we think about this, uh, I guess we need to remind ourselves that we don't do this in isolation uh, and that there are many amazing women of God, men of God that have gone before us. Let me just ask Tamara to put up just one photograph here. There we go. I don't know if anyone would, uh, would know this man, an amazing church leader in the early 1800s. This is Charles Finney. And if you've never read any of Charles Finney's stuff, I just encourage you to do an amazing book. I'd only been a Christian for a few months, and so someone gave me his book called Lectures of Revival. It's just 17 years old at the time, which is just amazing. And Charles Finney was, well, he was, you know, he was quite profound at several different levels. He was a real campaigner against slavery. Uh, he was a real advocate for equal rights for all, whatever your ethnic background uh, for education. So he was just an amazing kind of heart of justice, equality. But most of all, I guess he was known for his preaching. In the early 1800s, he was preaching there uh, in New York, and literally tens of thousands of people came to faith through his ministry, and hundreds of thousands, you know, you know, as that kind of ministry overspilled into other areas of the states, became known as the Second Great Awakening. And one of the key texts that um, Charles Finney used, one of his go-to texts, was here from the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. And let me read these words to us, which I think are helpful as we try and anchor uh, our thoughts on discipleship. So righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Well, I guess Charles Finney uh, like, um, like Hosea himself, recognized that the people of his day were quite far from God and that, you know, the nation needed to be called back into a place of understanding of God's purposes and God's truth and hope and love. Hosea lived about 700 years, 750 years before Jesus. Uh, the book of Hosea is kind of like a 25-year uh, summary of his key messages, his key talks, and Hosea is constantly trying to bring people back to the heart of God. And as we look this morning at the steps of discipleship, and you should have all received a, a very helpful handout that Tim Dobson's kindly put together, documenting different steps of discipleship that you might take. Well, as we think about those steps of discipleship, let's think about it in terms of this key verse from Hosea 10:12. So what does it mean for us to be sowing righteousness? What does this mean? And what discipleship steps will it require for us to sow righteousness? I guess when we think of the word righteous, uh, we might think of an understanding of it as moral, living a moral life. Uh, but for those who know the Bible well, uh, you will know that the understand, Scripture's understanding of righteousness goes beyond just um, living a moral life. It's slightly more penetrative. It talks about issues of, the char of character, issues of conscience, issues of conduct, and the very comments, you know, that we, you know, we speak at a daily level, the words that we use. It's all about our right standing and right living before God. 
And the other interesting thing which Isaiah did here and which Charles Finney picked up on is Hosea's talking about sowing righteousness to yourselves. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I know across the, the Woodlands Church family, we've got a real commitment for seeing God's power and purposes outworked in the city, haven't we? In our workplaces with our neighbours. But there's something about the fact that unless we are also looking after our own spiritual well-being, unless we're also in that absolute right place before God, then the extent that we want to see our city transformed is going to be a little bit limited. Yes, we trust God in his grace, but actually the more that we are submissive and responsive to Jesus and the power of the Spirit, the more that we can see this city transformed. So as we sow to righteousness, let me firstly suggest that this has something about regularly handing over the different aspects of your life to the Lordship of Jesus. And it may be that as you're here this morning, there may be a particular you know, area of your life, something that you're engaging with, and God by his Holy Spirit is saying to you, you need to give that to me. You need to give it to me. You need to allow me to be Lord in that place. I love that language of Hebrews 1 verse 3, where Jesus is described as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is utterly supreme. And part of our responsibility with the truth of who Jesus is, of his death for us, of his resurrection, of his lordship, is that we need to be submitting to him in every aspect of our lives. Now, for some of you, if you haven't done this already, um, you, know, you might want to think about believers' baptism, you know, getting, getting baptized. That's another key step of discipleship, key step of obedience with all that that represents. And then there's the, the kind of power of the Spirit. You'll remember when Peter is speaking to the, the crowd of several thousands in Jerusalem, Acts 2 verse 38, he speaks firstly about taking the steps of turning to God, surrender of our hearts and minds to him. He then moves on to baptism, and then he finishes with absolutely being committed to receiving the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. And another question for you there is, where do you need the presence and power of God's Spirit at the moment in your life? Where do you need to be sowing righteously through the enabling of God's Spirit? John in 1 John 1 verse 7 says that we are to walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light. Where is the Lord putting his fingerprint on you this morning and calling you to walk in the light? What about our collective life together? One of the great blessings of church life is that actually it enables us to do the Christian journey with others. And that can be such an encouragement and such strength that we can draw from that. You know, do you need to consider joining a small group, a home group, if you're not part of one? Some amazing small groups here at Centrum. These guys would absolutely love to, to have you. Um, so maybe, maybe think about that. And I guess as you're sowing righteousness into your life, um, I guess as you come into community with others, uh, hopefully 90% of the time it's going to be a massively uh, you know, beneficial experience. But as we brush shoulders of others, sometimes uh, we can get uh, you know, a bit damaged occasionally. Hopefully not too much here at Central. I'm sure there's no damaged people here. But, um, and sometimes that just means you've got to be walking in forgiveness, doesn't it? 
Jesus spoke about forgiveness on so many occasions that as we're sharing life, as we're opening our lives to each other, sometimes and often inadvertently, we can be hurt. And that's when we just need to be exercising forgiveness. And even as I'm talking now, the Holy Spirit might bring to your mind someone that you just need to be, you know, just kind of outworking forgiveness towards. Just had a, a message on my, uh, my, my, my phone this morning, a good friend of mine who I, uh, who I support in North Africa. Uh, and, um, you know, this guy, as far as we know, is the, the only person who's part of his particular people group who knows Jesus. It's an unengaged people group. And the people group has just ratcheted, ratcheted up the persecution towards him. He's having to leave his family, his friendship group, and at least temporarily he's going to have to relocate to another area. And I could hear the pain in his voice this morning. He was just saying, you know, you know Richard, please be praying for me and thinking of me today as you, as you meet for church. Um, he teaches me much more than I could ever teach him. Uh, but I know that one of the things that we will need to be speaking about is he's going to need to be forgiving those who are persecuting him. And one of the reasons he's going to need to be forgiving them is because we, we know that the Lord is calling him to reach out to those people. And he's not going to be able to reach out to them unless he forgives them. Nikki, my wife, was doing some online coaching yesterday with some, some, women, well, some women in one of the most vulnerable parts of the world. She'd been doing this for two or three days, just as is occasionally. And she noticed yesterday they were in a different location. And she said, oh, you've moved. And they said, yeah. The militant authorities last night were actually doing inspections from house to house. And so we've had to move to a safer location. But again, if we let bitterness and hardness of heart build up, these guys are not going to be able to reach out uh, in the way that they would. So forgiveness is about how we live life of each other and affects how we engage uh, with those also uh, outside the church. So that's the kind of sowing dimension. And when do we sow? Well, actually, we need to sow all the time, don't we? We need to be absolutely committed to it. And it may be that you're at the very start of your Christian journey today. Well, let me encourage you to really keep going for it, to keep pressing in. You know, the heart of God is so pleased that you are getting to know him and that you're moving towards him. And he would just invite you to keep journeying with him. Those early months, those early years of being a Christian are so important. We have the kind of mystery years that Paul experienced. Galatians 1.17, we're told that he spent three years in Arabia. We think that's modern Jordan today. And we, and we just get a sense that that time that Paul spent in those first three years was massively shaping as he then went on to be one of the greatest kind of pioneer church leaders in the early church. But of course, it's not just the early years as a Christian that we've got to keep sowing. It's throughout our lives. Paul later in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27, he likens himself to needing to ex exercise the discipline of an athlete. If you're an athlete, you'll equate to that. And he said, I discipline my body as an athlete so I will not be disqualified from the prize. And you just know that as he was disciplining himself, as he was reflecting on his walk before the Lord, he was constantly committed to sowing in righteousness. Then what else does Hosea say to us? He says, we've got to reap. We've got to reap. What does that mean? Well, as I've thought about this over this last week, I think reaping maybe has something to do with almost like the consequence of sowing. It's a biblical principle, isn't it? Galatians 6, 7. You know, you reap what you sow. And I think that as you sow more and more of the things of the kingdom into your life, so you develop more of a love for God and so you develop more of a passion and alignment and empathy for the things that matter to God. So you reap the heart of God. 
you reap that sense of passion. You reap the emotion for God. And maybe some steps of discipleship that that leads to, things like care for the poor. You know, God cares for everyone, but we know within his love for everyone, his equal love for everyone, he has a huge care for the poor. And so what is your care for the poor today? It's got to be part and parcel of our discipleship. I was struck recently, I was uh, supporting someone in court just a week or so ago. And um, these people, in, this person in court ended up going to, uh, it was sentenced, Crown Court, he's gone to prison and uh, huge, huge addiction issues. And um, I read about the case later on the Bristol Post. And it was one of those posts where the public could comment. And so many people were referred to, referring to him as scum, and was, you know, he said he, you know, he was homeless, people denying that he'd been homeless. He was totally homeless. You know, I visited him in his tent, um, gave him a tie in, uh, in court. I'm never going to see my tie again now, am I? He disappeared with it down those, uh, down those steps to the cells. Um, his hands were just filthy in court. Uh, and just a kind of lack of care. Yes, he deserved to go to prison, but actually there's a heart of care towards him and a heart of Jesus' love that all people need to uh, be recipients of. So care for the poor, care for the planet. How important is that? I know that we're committed to the planet across the Woodlands Church family and that needs to be an absolute priority aspect of our discipleship and just a general expression of compassion to all those who we share our lives with. It may be that at university or in the workplace, your neighbours, sometimes actually you want to be reaching out to people and actually people are just driving you crazy. And actually sometimes it's just that sense of saying, Lord, give me your compassion. I want to be an active disciple in this situation, but I need, I need your compassion. Well, I think that is one of the things that the Lord says to us is there uh, to be reaped. So we've got sowing, we've got reaping, and we've got that lovely image, haven't we, of breaking the ground. That's what Hosea says. And break up your unplowed ground. That's a powerful image. And I think this is talking about our hearts. So where does the Lord want you to partner with him today in breaking up the hard places of your hearts? Where are the hard places? Where are the unresponsive places? Where are the unfruitful places? Where are the places that you've just become a bit tired or lukewarm or cold? Well, it's those places that the Lord wants, his, wants to pour his spirit into you. He wants to be reforming, reshaping your heart so that all that matters to him matters to you and you're walking in that. On this helpful list that Tim has put together, you'll see there's different kind of reference to spiritual disciplines there. And sometimes taking up a new spiritual discipline for a season, whether it's fasting, whether from food or for something else, whether it's a lifestyle of simplicity, uh, whether it's an expression of generosity. You know, sometimes these spiritual disciplines are particularly helpful in breaking the ground up. We know, don't we, in Luke, uh, Luke 12, verse 34, Jesus speaks about how where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So where is your treasure today? Where's the alignment of your mind and your heart today? And my prayer is it's just continually being softened by the work of the Lord's Spirit. And when does Hosea say we need to do this? What did Charles Finney preach on those streets of New York? He says, now is the time. That's what Hosea says. He says, it is the time now. Seek God now and he will shower his righteousness upon you. I love that language of shower his righteousness. We find it in other places in the New Testament, places like Titus 3.5, where Titus speaks about the washing of rebirth and constant renewal that we experience. That word renewal, it means renovation in the Greek. 
that actually God wants to renovate us, wants to renovate our minds, renovate our hearts, renovates the daily orientation of our lives. And how do we do that? We root ourselves in the steps of discipleship, constantly asking the Lord how he wants us to serve, how he wants us to walk, and in what ways we do that. Let me pray for us. So, Father God, I thank you for these amazing people here. I thank you, Lord, that they are here this morning because actually they want to serve you. That they want to just have you as priority in their lives. And as they do that, Lord, I pray that you would show them how it is that you're calling them to sow, how it is that you're calling them to reap, and how it is that you want to help them break up the unplowed areas of their lives. Amen.